0: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Knee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called The Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. As Christians, we all hold the Bible as the infallible and inspired Word of God. But not only are the words themselves divinely inspired, even the arrangement of the book also bears God's direct involvement. Take, for instance, the sequence of the various books in the Bible. Many do not follow the actual historic timeline, yet the sequence in the divine record is truly marvelous. Consider the books of Job and the book of Psalms. They are separated by nearly a thousand years historically, but Psalms immediately follows Job in the Bible, What the Bible sequence reveals is that the divine revelation is not static, but rather shows a progression, a progression that should also be matched in our experience. John Pester has joined us for our fellowship today as we near the end of the book of Job Life Study. John's been quite a journey so far, hasn't it?
1: This is a marvelous book, and this is a marvelous message because it unveils an aspect of God's direct involvement in conveying his revelation to his people. God's direct involvement comes not only with the speaking and the recording of the words in the Bible, which are truly infallible and inspired, but even in the arrangement. And I appreciate this point. And I hope we can really get into it in detail today that there is a progressive revelation in the Bible which matches the progressive revelation of God himself and even the progressive experience of God as he is revealed in the Bible.
0: I want to hold you on this point for just a minute here uh, as we open up. This term progressive revelation causes some people to... Uh, Back up a little bit, because there is a proper and an improper sense in which this term can be used or applied to uh, things uh, divine. Give us a proper understanding of progressive revelation and maybe what would be an improper one.
1: Well, the reason there's a progressive revelation in the Bible is because our capacity to know, understand, appreciate, receive God himself is a progressive experience. And God unveils himself progressively through the Bible Every Christian will readily recognize that there is more of a revelation of Christ in the New Testament than he was in the Old Testament. Yet there are types and references and allusions to Christ in the Old Testament, but Christ is clearly revealed. And so this is progress. This shows that God is unveiling himself to his people in a progressive way so that they can understand, appreciate, and even enter in and receive him.
0: I, like you, appreciate this point very much and particularly how um, we will here witnessly apply it even to our own experience. I mean, here we've been looking at this man, Job, who was driven by the desire to pursue uprightness and human ethics and morality and his own righteousness and viewed his relationship to God through that lens. This really matches, I think, how most of us sort of come to the notion of approaching God, even uh, in our initial uh, stages, maybe even before we were saved, doesn't it?
1: I think it's amazing that, in many respects many Christians are Christians still living in the time and in the revelation of Job, but when we should be Christians that are living in the time and in the revelation that was revealed in the New Testament, and which is much more clearly foreshadowed in the writings in the Psalms. Right.
0: Um, We'll see this comparison today between uh, the book of Psalms and the book of Job. Let's pick up a couple verses here to set the backdrop from which uh, Job has been viewed and understood in this uh, wonderful life study we've been handling. Job 1.1, it begins by saying, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and this man was perfect and upright, and he feared God and turned away from evil. And verse 5, And when the days of feasting ran their course, Job would send word and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their heart. Job did this continually. So here's Job uh, with some obvious positive qualities, upright, perfect in many ways, even one who uh, sort of points us to an aspect of God in his redemptive work, doesn't he?
2: Yes, very much so.
0: All right, let's join Witness Lee with our first uh, portion of his fellowship today.
2: We come to see the significance in the sequence of Job and the Psalms. The book of Job, preceding Psalms, is a record of human views based on human concepts concerning the relationship between God and man. This is the human views based upon human concepts. In Jew, three things of God are revealed. Number one, God's redemption, right? Through the burnt offering Number two, God's judgment, they talk a lot about this, a man's evil, then some, not all, of uh, God's attributes. It does not indicate whether Job or his friends or Elihu sought to gain God. There is no seeking after gaining God. There is not such a thing. It tells us only that Job, as a perfect and upright man, feared God. In Job, you don't have the prayers. You don't have the praises to God. You don't have any hint that these five people, Job, Elihu, and the three friends, did have some kind of a heart after God. Seeking God to that extent that they were so thirsty after God. Not such a thing. But when you come to the Psalms, Maya, in Psalms, full of these things, full of the seeking of God, panting after God, praying to God, right? We couldn't see prayer in in Job, but on every page of Psalms you could see prayer. Of course, the Psalms were 1,000 years later than Job. My, divine revelation has progressed very, very much. But still, uh, they were not that clear. So they have the complex sentiments. Sometimes it was very high, very high. Like Psalm 2. But some are high, some are low, some are right, some are, I would say, not so right.
0: Uh, John, some people may uh, wonder at this last phrase, some of the things expressed in Psalm are maybe not so right. Actually, that uh, is a point we'll come to very much when we get to the life study of the Psalms. Uh, But I want to come back to this point that he made. Job and his friends locked in this lengthy debate and analysis of Job's experience, trying to get a handle on it and understand. What it reveals is that there was a kind of a seeking on their part, but the seeking was of these attributes or these behaviors or these character traits, being upright, being ethical, being righteous. And this is not the seeking that the Bible is really uh, focused on or centered on, especially a book like the book of Psalms, is it?
1: I think to understand Job and the situation that he was in, it's helpful to see some of the history and the historical timeline. Job is the earliest recorded writing in the Bible. It occurs approximately 2000 B.C. before even the writing of the Pentateuch and before the giving of the law. And Job lived in a time... When the events in God's revelation of himself that were uppermost in the minds of the people that he had even a concept about God was that God was a God of judgment because of his judgment of Adam and Eve and that God was a God that required some form of sacrifice to satisfy. So there was this aspect of Job fearing God Mm -hmm. and fearing God's judgment and giving sacrifices and offering sacrifices to appease this God in case his children had sinned or anyone in his family. And so the operative concept that Job had of God was one of he feared God Mm -hmm. and he realized he needed to appease God. And fortunately, he had the right concept in terms of his sacrifices, because they were kind of pointing toward Christ and the redemption of Christ. But his operative concept was God was a person to be feared because of his judgment, not a person who could be gained, not a person who could be loved, not a person who could be pursued, not a person to pant after, but a person to, in some respects, to be very reverential to and distant from because he felt like God was distant from man. And this is the concept that many Christians have today, that God is a God of judgment and a God to be feared. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands. of of God, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God, this concept that permeates even much of today's Christianity, but that's not... The experience of the psalmist a thousand years later, they had a different experience because God had revealed himself more and more to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, David, Solomon. He had revealed more of himself to them, and so they were able to speak of an entirely different experience of pursuing after God, gaining God, loving God, kissing the sun Mm. in Psalm 2. This is a marvelous progression in the experience of God's people because God had revealed more of himself and more of his heart's desire toward them.
0: Of course, uh, one of the Psalms very well known by all Bible readers, even when David has his great failure and that whole interaction uh, that takes place. One of the things you come away with there is, uh, I think, sort of a subtlety, but it permeates, I think, the whole of the Psalms that you just alluded to. David is after even more than forgiveness there. It's, it's like he realizes this relationship, this intimate interaction between he and God had been uh, jeopardized by his actions. And this, uh, you know, just don't see that in Job's writings, do you?
1: David was... Desperate that the joy of his salvation, his enjoyment of God would be restored. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. He wasn't as much concerned about God's judgment on him because he knew something of God's forgiveness, but he also realized even with God's forgiveness, he still had to go further and come closer and seek more after God, to pant after him, so that the joy, his enjoyment of God would be restored. He wasn't just concerned with being upright in God's eyes. He wanted to know more of God.
0: Let's look at um, a couple of verses to go further with this. In James, a New Testament book, uh, talking about Job as an example, brothers, of suffering and evil and long-suffering. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen his end from the Lord, that the Lord is very tender-hearted and compassionate. And you mentioned Psalm 2. We heard Witness Lee refer to it. Let's look at a couple of these verses, John. It clearly shows in advance. But I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way, for his anger may suddenly be kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Kissing him, taking refuge. Still we see the fear and the reverence there, but this other component has surely been brought in.
1: Well, it's almost as if our lack of love to the Lord is more offensive. Yeah than our sins and our failures. The Lord appreciates our love toward Him and desires that we would come to Him. He will certainly forgive us. He will certainly take care of us. But after doing that, He still desires that we would come and kiss Him.
0: Let's go back to Witness Lee, John.
2: You may see, as Job, the book, is so long, why we need to keep there? Well, it has its function. First, say, to minister to its readers a picture of man's concept concerning God's dealing with his holy people. Surely, he here's, here's a picture. Whether good or bad, but anyhow, you have a picture. Then, to expose the deficiency of the divine revelation of Jehovah's age. And to serve the Bible readers, with a negative background so that they will proceed further. Even in the Psalms, you can see many progressions of the divine revelation. And you have to realize, in some of the Psalms, the divine revelation is very high. Maya, Psalm 2 concerning Christ is too high. Then you have Psalm 45, the preaching of Christ as the king. That's high. That's high to the climax. And to stir up the Bible readers hunger and thirst for knowing Christ as the centrality and universality of God's eternal economy, then urge them, the Bible readers, to get out of their contentment in their present attainment in knowing God. We all have the same kind of a problem. We attain to a certain degree, then we got stuck there because we are so contented. The contentment becomes a hindrance for us to go on to seek further progression in God's divine revelation. Then, to imitate the Bible reader's spirit, that they may have more room in their spirit to gain God in all his riches, more and more than anything else. So many psalmists, they were seeking after God. They were hungry, they were thirsty, there is a deep hunger and deep thirst, seeking after God with his word then to serve the Bible readers with a capacity to understand the secrets in the next book the Psalms without you you just have the Psalms you come to some directly aha you are short of something you are short of some background all the 66 books help you to realize this one book Without the entire Bible, you to read the book of Jude, it doesn't mean much to you.
0: John, uh, interesting how he opened this section. Uh, all of these books, even those that may be a little lower in the extent of the divine revelation that they bring to us, all have their function. And it seems that the function that we're seeing today in the way these books are coupled or linked sequentially is to bring us out of our own contentment with our spiritual progress. This is a wonderful concept, isn't it?
1: I really appreciate Witness Lee's word here where it says the book of Job has its function. Each book in the Bible has a particular function. It's given to us for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. In First Corinthians 10, Paul speaks of the children of Israel's experience in the wilderness and says these things were examples for us. So everything in the Bible is centered on the reader. This is a marvelous thought, and I appreciate Witness Lee points this out in his outline of Job. He talks about the effect of the book of Job on the Bible reader, because God spoke his word and he expects us to be readers of his word and as we're reading his word the examples and the thought and the revelation has an opportunity to penetrate into our being so it's very very important to realize that the book of Job wasn't just an account of a person in Job it was written for us it was written to show us some of these deficiencies it was written to stir up a hunger within the Bible readers to know Christ. Because if you don't know Christ, you're just stuck in the terrible situation of Job. If you don't really know Christ as the universality and centrality of all that God is and all that God wants to do and all that God wants to impart into the believers, then you're stuck with just your miserable circumstances. As James said, endure with the endurance of Job, and that's a very pitiful situation. And it's designed to help give us an understanding that there's something deeper and something further available to the believers. And so I appreciate this point. He said without the book of Job, you miss something if you go directly to the Psalms. But without the Psalms, you miss something that... You don't have the ability to gain from the examples that are in Job that God wants to turn us away from. Don't be a person that just in the fear of God's judgment. Be a person that seeks after God, that hungers after God, that knows the anointed one, that is daily coming to him and opening to him and allowing God to pour all that he is into our beings. And so this is the wonderful aspect of this progression in the Bible. The book of Job has a definite function. We should not be Job Christians. We should be Christians in the experience that's presented, especially in Psalms 2.
0: Psalms 2, another one he referred to, Psalm 45, a very high chapter In the book of Psalms, uh, on the praise of Christ, my heart overflows with a good matter. I speak what I have composed concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer.
1: You know, there's one other quick point, maybe we have time for it. It says that the book of Job serves to get the readers out of their contentment in their present situation. Job was very content in his present situation, but he had very little of God. And so we need to be people to realize that God will sometimes come in and shake up our circumstances and situations to break us out of our even our current contentment with where we are in the divine revelation and hopefully to move us forward from Job
2: into Psalms.
0: We have a little time left, John. Let's uh, get a little, I would say, appetizer from the book of Psalms. Here's Witness Lee.
2: The function of the Psalms, first a to fill the gap which is left at the end of the book of Job, a big gap. Left there. Then to show the Bible readers how the Holy Spirit turned the Psalmist from the law. This is kind of indication to tell the psalmist your seeking after God is right, but you have to turn your seeking from the law to Christ. Christ, Christ is the tail of life as the main lion. The law it's just as the, 12, the knowledge of good and evil, right? that is not the main line, but the sideline. So your seeking is okay, but the goal of the seeking is wrong. Then to minister to the Bible readers, the all-inclusive Christ in God's economy. Not just turn to Christ from the law, but you have to know this Christ is the center, the realm of God's eternal economy. In God's eternal economy, Christ is everything. Christ is the center. Christ is the universality. Christ is everything. You have to study some to find out all the details concerning this matter. Lastly, to help the Bible reader to know that the divine revelation is progressive, going higher and higher, deeper and deeper, richer and richer, not only from the book of Jude to Psalms, but also from the Psalms to all the following books in the Old Testament and those in the New Testament until it reaches the high peak of the New Jerusalem in the new heaven and new earth, as the consummation and the ending of the divine revelation according to God's eternal economy.
0: Uh, John, obviously, he covers a broad span there in a very few moments, and we only have a few moments left, but I'd like your impressions of this marvelous progression in the divine revelation.
1: I think what's important to realize is the point that Witness Lee makes about the goal of our seeking has to be proper, The goal of the seeking of Job was just to be an upright person who lived and didn't offend God. The goal of many of the seekers that are presented in the Psalms is to be a person who lives according to the law. But really, the goal is Christ himself. And there are many, many Psalms that turn away from the law and point the reader to Christ. So in this progressive revelation, it's not enough just to go from being a content person to a seeking person. We need to be a seeking person that has the right goal that we're seeking. And the goal that God wants us to seek is Christ himself. Christ who's available to us, who's all inclusive. Everything that we need for our Christian life is in Christ and is Christ. And Christ is now living in us, indwelling us, wanting to live that life out from us. And so as seeking Christians we need to be seeking Christ. We need to be seeking Christians. We need to be people that are seeking after Christ, going after Christ. And this is a progression that we need to experience daily in our daily living and throughout our entire life. We need to be progressing in our seeking after Christ himself.
0: This uh, progression continues to build, as he said, uh, not only through Psalms and all of the Old Testament books, but ultimately all through the New Testament consummating in the new Jerusalem. But along the way, I think uh, the apostle Paul says something that dovetails exactly with what you said, for to me to live is Christ.
1: Paul is at the pinnacle of the experience that God wants all Christians to be in.
0: Well, we have uh, just one more program in the life study of Job. I'm glad uh, we could get together, John. You and I haven't been able to uh, come together very often. I know you and Matt Miller have recorded many times when I've been away, but I appreciate this uh, chance we've had today.
1: I appreciate it as well.
0: Of course, you can still contact us to receive the printed material, the Life Study volume of Job, containing all 38 messages. We've condensed uh, down to just 15 radio programs, so there's obviously a lot of material that we did not uh, get to cover in the radio version of the Life Study. So if you'd like to get the Life Study of Job printed volume, please call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. And today, for John Pester, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening.
2: Yeah.
0: You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find out more about Witness Lee, these life study messages or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thanks for listening today.